Welcome back to The Writer in the Wrench. We're your hosts, Brent and... What was your name again? Oh, I see. You turn 50, and that gives you a license just to forget things. What's your name again? (laughs) How does it feel to be 50, by the way? I don't know that this is inappropriate. (laughs) Oh, did you not want me to tell people how old you are? That's okay. I feel old. You don't look old, though. Okay, so I don't feel old it's more of the mental state of you're a half a century old more than half dead right that is correct that's kind of a depressing thought thank god you're an optimist (laughs) so it's been a while we actually recorded this episode two and a half three months ago maybe when we were on our regular schedule and so much has happened with our family over the past probably 10 weeks that some of the information just wasn't relevant anymore. So you're getting a fresh recording, take two, with some updated information. But it has been just, it's felt bananas between our schedule being jam-packed. And then we had some health concerns with my son, well, who is also your son as well, had some health concerns. So we've been kind of down a rabbit hole with appointments and being at the hospital and in the midst of all of that he broke his arm so blood work all of this stuff and we are hoping to come down to the last we have one more specialist we have to visit but we're hoping that's kind of the end of the road but even with all of that it's been the ac went out on one of our cars we Mm -hmm. had to get that fixed we had to have all new engine mounts replaced in another one of our vehicles our oven broke last weekend good times (laughs) it's it when they say it rains it pours it has felt like there has been a rain cloud over our house for the past 10 weeks but this is a great place to put a plug in and throw back to our finance series when you have an emergency fund of three to six months living expenses and stuff like this comes up unexpected it all of a sudden even though it doesn't feel good It's not a crisis because you have the money to cover and pay for those things. I think the thing that I get hung up on is just trying to get that emergency fund built back up. But I know it'll happen. But I feel like we're finally at the place where it feels like we've been treading water for a while. And so I feel like summer is on the horizon, which means nothing to you because you work all year year round. But to me, it feels like I should be able to hopefully catch my breath soon so that's what's been going on with us although I did want to check in with you because I feel like we've been ships passing in the night how's your new year's resolution going do you even remember what your new year's resolution was I think it was planning planning what just planning anything (laughs) so we were we were doing well with having a particular day where we would plan our date nights, plan our fun box Fridays and just plug plan, in plan you know plan for vacations and all that kind of stuff but within the last couple months we just haven't haven't really done well with that so I know we had talked about getting back on track but, with that but we're still doing date nights and fun like we're still right, doing Right, we're just all not doing the advanced planning like we were doing a month at a time it just feels like it's been the schedule has been hectic so what's your are you wanting to get back to that or yeah you like flying by the seat of your pants 
Well, you know, all of the appointments kind of throws a monkey wrench into it because you don't really know if you have to go on a Friday or do we have to go on a Saturday. Yeah. So I think once we wrap up this last, hopefully this last specialist, uh, we should be able to get back on. I feel like you must be exhausted because one of the things that is great about Brent's job is they are flexible kind of with your schedule and you do have the kind of job where you can work remotely even though you do go into the office but you've been the one pretty much coordinating and taking him to all of his appointments because it's a lot more difficult for me to take time off and get a sub to cover classes and so that's pretty much all that responsibility has fallen on you so you probably need a long winter's nap at this point (laughs) Want to hibernate for a little bit? Well, that don't hibernate for too long because now that you're 50, you might not wake back up. Oh, touche! <laughs> I'm just saying. So my resolution, I did I even have a resolution? Mine was I know I had the word enchantment, mm-hmm. which I still feel like I'm doing an okay job keeping that on the radar with the things that we're planning. We had an Arabian dinner party. Well, I had one for the girls in my Bible study group. I'm trying to be intentional with when we do have a date night, kind of planning what we're doing and just slowing pace down. But it's hard to slow pace down right now. So I'm definitely not as in tune with this concept of enchantment as I was when the year first started. But I wouldn't say it's gone completely by the way. So I'm looking forward to being able to get back into it as things start to slow down towards summer. And so I definitely want to hold on to that. I don't know. So we are wanting to transition into kind of a relationship series. And our starting point is based on a book that we read called The Love Prescription by John and Julie Gottman, who are, I think this is the coolest thing ever. They're technically relationship scientists. And so they have 40 years of work and research under their belts. And so this isn't just somebody who sat down and decided to write a book based on... What they think. Well, yeah, this is what I think and feel and what's happened in my relationship. These are couples that they have studied over 40 years. And so it's like long term being able to see the correlation between the habits that a couple has and what their success is in their relationships. And so... One of the little blips, which I love, I'm just going to read it to you. It says, what makes love last? Why does one couple stay together forever while another falls apart? And most important, is there a scientific formula for love? And they would say, yes, there is a little bit of a formula. And the cool thing about it is it's not a hard formula. And I think what I loved about this book is it's a very short book. It's divided, I think, into, was it seven chapters? Some, yeah, it's, something like It's that. not very long, and the advice is practical. It's nothing over the top, and it's simple little things that you can work into your relationship that makes a huge difference. And I've read a lot of relationship books in the past, and to me, this one was different because I didn't feel overloaded with information, and it really wasn't necessarily about adjusting your lifestyle It was just about making small adjustments throughout the day, which, again, anybody can do. And so one more thing I wanted to just read really quickly. It says, the most important thing to know about the love prescription is that it's a small one. Tiny little doses every day is what it takes to make a healthy relationship. 
Why? Because that's exactly what a relationship is. Not one big thing, but a million tiny things every day for a lifetime. And it's this idea of consistency. Doing the little things on a regular basis. So the little things add up to be, or would add up to be more than doing a big thing every once in a while to try to have that romantic relationship. It's, like you said, the consistency of... If you're doing a little thing today, a little thing tomorrow, a little thing the next day, like you're going to feel engaged and probably loved more than waiting for that big Right. Moment. And not to say that you the, shouldn't do... The big moments. Right. Not to say that you shouldn't do the big things, but if you're having to live from big thing to big thing, because it's 10 for most couples, if the big things even happen, it's spread out so far... It's not sustaining. You have to have those little things. And their very first chapter, to me, I thought was so profound, but they had this idea of bids for connection. And it, when you read the information, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that makes total sense. But you, if you have not had your attention, like it hasn't been brought to your attention to be able to focus and to think about it, then you would completely miss it. And the whole thing about a bid for connection is just an invitation to connect with your significant other. And we do this apparently all, all the day time. Long. Yeah. All the time, all day long, because it's nothing huge. It's not necessarily me saying, hey, we need to talk. It's something like a subtle remark that somebody makes. Or so, for instance, if I and one of the things I'm trying to get better at is not scrolling on my phone, but let's just use that as an example. If I'm scrolling on my phone and I see an article and I start to read it and Brent's sitting next to me doing his own thing and I say, oh, that's interesting. My comment that I just made is a bid for connection because I had no other reason to say that outside or not outside, but like. Out loud. Out loud. That's what I was looking for. We could go outside while we're talking. It's a beautiful day today. Uh, But there's no reason for me to say that out loud unless I, even subconsciously, am wanting you to interact with me. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you they have this idea of there's three options that you have when a bid for connection happens. You can either turn toward the person. So... What would be in that scenario? So turning of me toward, saying, oh well, what are you, what are you reading? Yeah. So or, just engaging. Yeah, engaging in in that that bid. Yes. So you can turn toward. You can turn away, which is just ignoring. Which most of us probably do. I'm guilty of that too. Somebody makes a remark. It's not a question. So you don't feel like you have to necessarily answer them and you're not really interested in what they said, so you just don't engage at all. And then the third option that you have is to turn against. And that's when you have a negative. You do engage, but it's negative. So that would be like, oh, that's an interesting article. What would be turning against, an example? Why are you reading that when you should be talking with me? Or why aren't you, why are you reading that and not in the kitchen cooking dinner? Well, that's a pretty extreme example. I was thinking more of like, why are you still on your phone? (laughs) Is there some like unresolved issue of me not going in the kitchen to cook? No. (laughs) I figured that was going to come my way. 
<laughs> well, there's still more time in this episode. Mm. Um, so anyway, the whole idea of bid for connection, it could be a remark somebody makes. It could be... A sigh. Yeah, absolutely. Sitting down at the dinner table and one of us sighs. The other person can either turn toward and say, hey, what's going on? Is something bothering you? Like, do you want to talk about it? I could turn away and just ignore, which, again, I feel like the majority of couples probably do that because you already had your own stressful day, right? Yep, not really caring what you're thinking <laughs> really about over interested there. interested <laughs> in what you are saying. Do I need to get you an oxygen machine? Um, or you can turn against, and that would be that comment I just made. Like, do you need an oxygen machine? Or, like, what's wrong with you? Or what are you upset about now? And just some sort of negative engagement. Yep, I feel the same way. <laughs> It could also be, I'm trying to think of some other examples. It could also be just maybe body language or even proximity. That's happened before. I've been sitting in the room or you've been sitting in the room and I'll walk into the room and stand in the doorway and wait for you to make eye contact with me and you can look up and say, hey, what's up? Do you need something? That would be turning towards. You could look up. And then look back down and completely <laughs> ignore me. Or you could turn against and make some negative comment about. Can I just get a couple minutes? What do you need? What, like, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, some like, sort of negative interaction. And so, I don't know. I found this to be so profound. And I feel like when we first read this chapter, we did a great job of making sure that we were turning toward each other and no person and they say this in the book too like no person can actually turn toward their partner a hundred percent of the time it's just it's impossible because life is life right there's outside stressors there are things that there are sometimes when you can't put your phone down because you're in the middle of maybe a work emergency or something and the other person just needs to be understanding of that but i think the goal is if you turn towards enough times and you train yourself to do that, then the times that come up where you can't turn towards, it's, it doesn't feel as devastating for your partner because you've deposited into their love bank, so to speak. You've made enough deposits in their love bank when you have to take a withdrawal. It doesn't feel like you're just scraping down in the bottom of it or withdrawing something that like is not even there and it can have obviously huge negative consequences to it and so i i feel like when we first read this chapter we were so good at making sure that we were turning toward and you have to it is hard especially if you're on your phone i feel like we have a device addiction epidemic like in our culture and society where if i'm on my phone and you're trying to talk to me my thoughts and feelings sometimes trump what you're trying to say to me because I'm like, why is he interrupting me? Can't he see I'm right in the middle of something? But you're more important than that. When you step back from it, you're more important than what I'm looking at, even if it's a work email. Again, not when the poo has hit the fan, but just like a typical, can I just put my phone down for five minutes and engage with you? Is the person on the other end even going to know that you took five minutes? It took five extra minutes for me to respond. And the answer is no. And And I think oftentimes we prioritize other people and other relationships over the ones who are the closest to us sometimes when it comes to 
time and engagement currency because I think we just automatically assume that our partner or spouse, they'll understand they're always going to be there. Um, But having to kind of like shift your mindset into thinking that, no, the person that I said I do to, like that's the top priority. Anyway, all of that to say, and I keep coming back to this, but I feel like we were really good. And then about 10 weeks ago, (laughs) when everything, like the house just lit on fire, our lives felt like it was in a blender. And I wouldn't say necessarily that we started turning away or turning against necessarily in a larger proportion to turning toward. I just feel like we didn't get to have as much engagement, period, because we both were just kind of treading water with you with your work stuff and me with stuff that was going on with work and then trying to deal with the kids and with appointments and repairs. And it just felt like, but this is also a good point to bring up is no relationship and no person, when you put something into practice, you do have to revisit every once in a while and remind yourself of the things that you need to do until it truly, truly becomes a habit. And so I feel like I'm ready to like make sure that we are going back to that fundamental principle going forward. What, you know, with our interactions, making sure that we're turning toward each other. What's interesting is in their research, and they say this in in chapter one, is that how people respond to their partner's bid for connection was the biggest predictor of happiness and relationship stability. Like I said, they followed couples for decades and making a connection between how they respond to bids for connection and whether or not their relationship actually lasted in the end, in the long haul. Wasn't it, didn't they call it like the love lab or something like that? Yeah, it's an actual, like when I say it's research, people living, and I don't Uh, remember exactly the time, but it's kind of like Big Brother, where your conversations are recorded in all of the main living spaces, there's cameras, and they're able to actually study these couples from all different walks of life, different socioeconomic backgrounds, like you think of any possible relationship between two people and they had that type of relationship to study. And that was the biggest determining factor among anything else that couples could have in common. It was how did they respond to bid for connection? And that was the biggest predictor of success in a relationship. So again, I felt like it was really profound when we first started putting these principles into action. We were going probably at least maybe four or five weeks strong before everything kind of went crazy. And I felt so close to you during that time not that i don't feel no, close to I mean, you right now but i'm saying we're kind of coming out of the fog hello <laughs> we're, we're finally coming out of the fog and hopefully we'll get these principles going again but it, i think it made a big difference and we've been married oh, yeah. for 15 years and i'm like why i this is a book i wish i would have read year one you know so one of the things This book, like I said, is about seven chapters. It's super short. It's an easy read. It's an interesting read. Is they always give you some sort of homework assignment. And so for the first chapter, the homework assignment that they give you is to try to connect with your spouse in the morning at some point and ask your spouse, is there anything you need from me today? And we ask each other, and we were doing that. Actually, I feel like even 
with, even through even the, through the chaos of the last ten weeks. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, we most of the time it was, "Can you just pray for me today?" Yeah, but we were still thing. asking that we question. Were. So the bids for connection might have might have been doing a little more ignoring during that time, only because it felt like we again. I don't. I don't even know that it was purposeful. No, and I don't think we necessarily felt it specifically. I just feel like we felt overwhelmed with everything that was going on. Period. But we continued to ask this question. And I think one of the things I I loved about this question is it helped with expectations that you have for your partner. That they don't know. <laughs> yes, because I feel like women are probably more like this than men. But they have expectations in their head of what their spouse or partner should be doing or should accomplish or essentially that they should read a woman's mind. And that's just not realistic and it's not possible. And so I feel like for me, and you can speak to this, you know, from your perspective, from the guy's perspective in just a minute, it helped me instead of feeling like I really wish Brent would do this, this, and this, it was, okay, what is the one thing? If there was one thing he could do for me today to help me, what would it be? And I feel like that gives you a very focused goal of if I can just do this one thing for Beverly today, then I've met her expectation. And for me, if the other things don't get done, I get to rejoice in the fact that you did that one thing that I knew was going to really help me out. And sometimes it's simple things. There are some days where I felt like there was nothing, like you said, nothing specific that I needed you to do other than can you please just pray for me today? I'm stressed about this meeting or... Um, I'm worried about this or I'm feeling anxious about that. But then there are other times where it's, it's okay, can you call and schedule this appointment? Or if you could help me cook dinner tonight, or if you could just pick up dinner so I don't have to think about dinner tonight because I have X, Y, and Z going on, then I knew I could count on that one thing getting done. And I, I just feel like that's been super beneficial. I don't, I mean, you can speak to your side. It, it's definitely been helpful not feeling like I'm not going to do enough or disappoint you with not f- meeting the expectations of multiple things because there's days where you just don't have time to do the multiple things. So if you can focus on the one thing, you know that you did that or you're going to do that and then anything above that is like a bonus, then it does relieve some of that stress of disappointing you or disappointing myself because I couldn't do more than the one thing. So the one the one item for me really narrowed down my feeling of being able to to succeed in helping you that day. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And and so we can't recommend enough if you haven't read the love prescription, that's John and Julie Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. Highly recommend, even, I mean, even if you're not married, as kind of a pre-marriage, or even just, I mean, some of the chapters might not apply to you if you're not married, but there's still, I mean, even just the concept of bids for connection and turning toward or against or away 
You is, can use that for your kids. You can yes. use it for your your parents. You can use it for um, siblings, coworkers. Like it really covers every type of relationship and just practical. So that would be our recommendation if you haven't read it, but you're wanting to put something into practice. Definitely challenge you this week to pay attention to those bids for connection and let, let your partner in on what a bid for connection is so that they can return it so you're not frustrated that you're constantly turning towards but then feeling like they aren't doing anything in return. Remember, they're not a mind reader. They got to be on the same page as you. And then also the second thing is asking that question, uh, what can I do for you today or what's one thing that I can do for you or, or you know. Is there help? anything you need from me or yes. whatever you want to pose the question it's just helps fulfill a little bit of the expectation so yeah i mean again that first chapter a fundamental yep amazing. and then and then if at all possible you would want to read it together but even if the your spouse doesn't want to or your significant other doesn't want to read the book have them listen have to them this listen. episode yeah I and feel like we <laughs> we break it down pretty simply. Or they may notice your behavior and want to know what the difference is. So, mm-hmm. I will, And I remember I read the chapter first before you did, and I pretty much just explained it to you. And I felt like you got the concept very easily. And so you probably still could have put that into practice without even reading it yourself. But I do highly recommend because all of the research and, you know, the extra stuff that we don't have time to talk about is still – it's a very it's, worthwhile read. It's very so, interesting. And there's other chapters in there that we are looking forward to discussing during our relationship series. But that felt like a good fundamental starting place, which is why I guess they made it chapter one. All right. Well, that's it. We look forward to discussing some of the other chapters with you in upcoming episodes you probably won't hear from us for another month i think that's a good goal for us right now with the crazy town so we will do our best we will do our best catch you later